0: Like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top. She makes great Across the ground. Bam! In comes Donnie Wurfle. Got it out to a kick. Kick smothered. Check.
1: Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel? Would be just as good as the original. Kicks inside, 50. McGovern. McGovern. What a play. Sheik to be in perfect years! the premiers of 1992 the 1994 premiers premiers
2: the 2006
1: the 2018 AFL premiership team the West Coast Eagles
2: Good everyone welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast for another week Honey Badger 35 here joined once again by Miguel Sanchez joined once again by Bender gentlemen welcome to the show and it's going to be a big one because when we typically do two shows a week, we you know kind of run a bit of a shorter show on that first one, a game recap and all of that. But uh, Migs, it's been a pretty massive week for the West Coast Eagles already. It's only Tuesday and we've got a fair bit of news to dive into later on in the show.
1: Yeah, coming up to that time of the year, I suppose, when there's a bit of uh, a bit of contract news around, and um, especially with the position we're in, starting to get ready for the next season. So yeah, a bit of that to, to go through. Dive so into it. Double shift this week.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, we are. Uh, so jump in the comments as well, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of opinions flying around at the moment on big footy about contracts, where we're at, who we need to retain, who we need to get rid of, and all this sort of stuff. So definitely jump on in and have your say, uh, Bender. Once again, back on the show. Thank you very much for jumping on, mate. It's it's a big week. There's plenty to dissect. We'll, we'll start with the footy, but just before we do, sort of general vibes. How do you feel this time? You know, compared to this time last week, are we better on the Eagles. Or are we worse on the Eagles? What do we think?
0: Uh, it feels somewhat the same, more of a fade out towards the end of the quarter, the end of the game, you know what I mean? That really yeah. sour, leaves a sour taste in the mouth at the very end. But look, it will be competitive, but maybe, maybe a little bit more positive than, than previous week.
2: All right, on that, let us then get stuck into the football. I will bring the score up here. There it is, down the bottom. It's a margin that doesn't look great in the end, uh, but for much of the game, especially sort of third quarter, fourth quarter, it was pretty close. It was in the balance. Miguel, the Eagles started strongly, like Bender just said, and then a bit of a fade out towards the end. Another case of the boys running out of steam, but definitely some signs to like in that one.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure it was running out of steam so much as we were trying to take the game on a bit in those last five minutes. Um, We're going, Hearn was kicking out straight down the middle a bit and... We were sort of trying to roll the dice a bit and and get back in the game and it backfired on us and and Hawthorne got a couple of late goals. Um, But, yeah, with about, what, probably five minutes to go, we needed two goals to win. Um, Mm. So that was a lot more competitive than the week before and it was um, more the sort of footy, I think, that we've seen um, since the bye from the side where um, they were taking the game on a bit more. Um, Yeah, they were uh, a lot harder around the contest, um, but just... Um, yeah, struggling to get the ball out of defence again, and uh, struggling to get enough supply to the forward line, and um, yeah, a lot of those. The effort was good, but a lot of those key numbers went against us. Against us, and um, there were some stats that someone posted up, which I think came from Footy Classified about how bad our last two weeks have been, and I think a lot of mm. that is the fact that Carlton thumped us,
2: skewed um, a bit. I think
1: yeah, and also skewed a bit by the fact that North Melbourne won a game, so all their um <laughs> their numbers were up for the, that two week period.
2: But, good on them, by the way. What a yeah. Good on them. What a result. Let's make the race for the spoon something fun to watch. That'll be yeah. nice, not nerve-wracking at all.
1: Um, But a fair bit to like. Uh, Tackles, the tackle numbers were probably, I don't know if you've got the numbers there, as high as I've seen in ages from the club.
2: They were um, 81, which is a season high, and I think at three-quarter time we were two tackles short of a season high, something like that already. Yeah. I think we had, you know, 70-odd to, to three-quarter time. So you can say, all right, maybe did they dip away a little bit in the fourth, but... Previous high was against Adelaide right before the bye, and we were at that level through three quarters of a game. So, massive tackle numbers, and we can get onto Jai Cully later, but he certainly didn't do yep. them any harm.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I think Redden had turned himself. And um, yeah, so those numbers were good. The, um, the clearances were good. Uh, I don't think we won them, but we came pretty close, I think, um, despite the fact that Ruckman got smashed. Um, so Total clearance is
2: actually forty six thirty nine. So we did we, I don't have a breakdown here in terms of centre clearances Or sort of around the ground But a, a total clearance win, yeah
1: Yeah, okay, we won it So yeah, that's um, a bit surprising But then, yeah, just couldn't move the ball around the ground um, You saw a lot of those Sort of chip kicks around the back That we were trying to sort of move The, the Hawthorne defence a bit And break through and just couldn't mm. And that's probably Sam Mitchell's coaching as much as anything But um, yeah, we just you no, we couldn't score out of our back half, so if Hawthorne got it forward, they were eventually going to score, and we just um weren't able to do the same thing they um they did cut us to ribbons a bit on the turnover, so a bit to like, but yeah, definitely still a bit to work with.
2: yeah, that's it uh Bender Miguel, they' talking a lot about you know scores from the back half and and trying to rebound. Obviously, we're missing yo Jones not at his best, he's been the other one that's really been driving that of late. For me, it was a lot more of we're getting pressure on the ball, a bit scrappy, get down in the mud, just sort of work the ball forward like that. But the ball movement definitely suffered and you know a few comments flying around about back to the old chipping around the back sort of way. And, and it was pretty prevalent. So a few ticks in some boxes, but then maybe gone backwards in other areas. It's a little bit frustrating, I suppose, watching a game like that. You know we can do one thing, but we, we seemingly can't do them both at the same time.
0: Yeah, it felt like when um, early in the game, they they started playing wet the footy for the first time in a long mm. time. They were, they were pushing the ball forward at all costs. They were they were forcing a, a a a a contest wherever they could on the ground as well. Um, and then it felt like as the game wore on, and probably about towards the end of the third, it kind of felt like that they were trying to hold possession. Um, mm. and it wasn't quite working out for them. I think the conditions were still a bit too greasy, and I, I remember a few people dropping marks that you normally think they'd swallow up. And I think that the yeah. turnover cost them. But it was nice to see them, again, you know, whether that's a change in the game plan or, or attitude, you know, just trying to play for territory like we all want them to do when, in wet weather, it was it was good to see. It was promising. Um, whether that's a, a personnel thing and Simo's just said, look, we've got to push it forward because we don't have the skills on that we want with the people that are out or not. But they, they did it. And, and I thought it worked well for the majority of the game. But you're right, I think they reverted to type a little bit too much towards the end.
2: Yeah, and you wonder Miggs there pointing out, you know, is that Sam Mitchell knowing what we like to do? Is it just one of those things just didn't happen on the day? Obviously we are where we are on the ladder for a reason. But there were plenty of things to like around the ground, a few things to tidy up as you'd expect. Miggs, I mean, I suppose from a player point of view, we can highlight a few. Cully, fantastic. Tom Barras, potentially the game of his life, but you know, a fantastic game nonetheless. Uh Cripps, yet again, really impressed me with a lot of little stuff. Shuey had some moments that you thought, well, okay, there's Luke Shuey, the 2018 Norm Smith medalist. That's the calibre of guy we have at the field at the moment. So there were players to like. There were things to like. I know for me that, you know, okay, we lost and whatever. I often try and look at the optimistic side of things, but there's plenty to take away from it, and in particular, some of the individuals.
1: Yeah, I think since the bye, apart from the Carlton game, there's been... Um positive signs to take away each week mm. and yeah, the, the game plan's part of it and certainly some of the individuals and we've seen young guys come through. Um, Cully, obviously, I'm sure we'll spend plenty of time talking about him. Um, uh, Brady Hoff probably been a bit quiet the last couple of weeks, played really well against Richmond. Um, uh, Bazo looks like he's been playing for um, a year.
2: I've forgotten played that he's out. new. He keeps doing yeah. these things, and I remember in his debut and early games, you'd be like, okay, great, there's Bazzo, nicely done, yeah. happy you can do He just takes marks now, and I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. good mark.
1: I think Incredible. he might have been one of the ones that dropped. He might have dropped one of the ones you were talking about, but um, in the wet, never mind. Um, yeah, he played well. Um, Liam Ryan, I thought, um, sort of, yeah, bounced back from you know, people wanting him dropped. and
2: The effort and was right Rioli,
1: Yeah, if Rioli hadn't been available and Petricelli. If Rioli had been available in Petrocelli, then maybe he would have been, but, mm. yeah, the effort was right up. He was impacting play. So, um, yeah, that was that was really pleasing. Um, yeah, plenty to go on with.
2: All right, then, Bender, let's do the Jai Cully stuff because that's what people care about. We got a future superstar on our hands about a month ago he came in. He's only playing against kids most of his life, so he's played, what, three or four waffle games against men, comes in, plays AFL, 12 disposals, which doesn't jump off the page at you, but then you realise he's led all the players with seven clearances. He's got 11 tackles which is the second most on debut in AFL history the record of course held by Newcombe on the other side so good luck to the to the two guys but look a really promising debut and Aridy right, wasn't it wasn't 30 touches and three goals or whatever but you can look and go there is a player that the Eagles have something to sort of work with and maybe a building block for the future there
0: Yeah definitely I think what what impressed me most about his game was is that he wasn't afraid to throw his weight into the contest and even so he's not fully developed in terms of of you know Mm -hmm. him developed um but he's still not scared to throw his body in and he's and he's knocking people out of the way he's affecting the contest you know um that was that was really good to see from a young kid throwing it in there and i think that he um i think i mentioned on the day he wasn't afraid to get dirty you get on his knees tackle you know dig the ball out it was really good it was a promising hit out um and if you haven't got the ball, all you can do is tackle. And, and and that's what he did. He kept working when he didn't have the ball, and that was probably the most pleasing thing, I think.
2: And Miggs, all of that from only about two-thirds game time, you know, and you've got to obviously bring him along slowly, young guy, and still getting up to speed with playing men's footy. But he's putting out record numbers in terms of the tackles. He's getting everywhere. He's leading the team in clearances, doing all that dirty work. So you look at a guy there in Cully, Definitely one for the future. And another guy we can talk about is Xavier O'Neill. He's come back absolutely staunch. I don't know if it's the haircut. I don't know if he's been in the gym or whatever it is. He's massive and he's throwing people out the way as well. He's getting in and under and attending a lot of the center bounces as well. So, you know, in, in a week I've gone from where are all the mids to thinking, all right, I'm not saying lock him in for the back-to-back brown lows just yet, but there's something there that, okay, here's a couple of mids I want to see picked week on week for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, we've been waiting for a while for O'Neill to put it together, Mm. haven't we? Um, Didn't quite do it on the weekend, but yeah, certainly had some moments. Uh, It was his first game. Was I arguing with someone on the forum or on Twitter? I can't remember. Arguing with someone That doesn't sound like you, Mix. Yeah, doesn't at all. Um, Arguing about, you know, he didn't show enough and he should be delisted. He's come back and just played his first AFL game since April. Mm. He's had 19 touches. Um, He hasn't played the whole game as a midfielder. He's done... Um, done enough, I thought, to to warrant being in the side for the rest of the season.
2: Um, He had that game against Collingwood as well where he played a ripper and then didn't back it up the next week. I forget if he got dropped or if he was injured or what happened there, but that was a a bit of a frustrating sort of false start to the season, but you know, I mean, we can wax lyrical about Cully all we want and Mig's you know, fire away on that front as well, but I thought it was a nice little bonus that I wasn't really expecting out of the game. It was maybe a guy that was getting one last shot in my mind, but nah, why not? Back him in. Give him some footy. Give him some minutes.
1: Yeah, he'd been in good form in the waffle, and um, probably had been in good form really before he got um, injured. So mm. yeah, um, definitely earned a chance back in the side. Um, yeah, seemed played the right. Um, yeah, definitely give him another go. Cully, yeah, really impressed with. Um, and saw him today in his uh, in his press conference, and you, you just realised that what, two months ago he was working part time in a chicken shop. He was training with the Dandenong Stingros two nights a week. Now he's a full-time AFL footballer. That was his Mm. first game. He comes out and leads the the tackle count, leads the clearance count. So um, really impressive from him. Um, Really impressed by him on field and off field as well. And, yeah, I think he's going to be a great get. Uh,
2: Bender, I'd like to spend some time talking about Tom Barass, please, because he has been asked to do so much for the boys this year. I don't know where he sits in the best and fairest. He'd probably be pretty high in my mind, but I keep flip-flopping on who I think is in front. 30 disposals. You know, he's marking everything that's coming anywhere near him. I think he had the most marks in Eagles history for a single game, but some of those are chipping around the back. Some of them are true intercept marks coming over, killing the contest. And, Bender, you and I talked about Lewis last week, three goals a game coming in. Did he kick any? I should have probably had that one up, ready to go. None. Bloody hell. Nine touches, two marks. No goals. See you later, Mitch Lewis. You got the Tom uh, Tom Barass experience.
0: It was immense. It was just. It was unlike anything I reckon I've seen from an, an Eagles defender in a long time. Even McGovern, you know, when he was he was picking off kicks at, at, at his peak. It was. It was nothing like what Barras was doing. Brass was covering his man and, and and intercepting. You know what I mean? It was fantastic. Um. Yeah. It was definitely up there with. With probably the performance or the single performance of the year, I reckon, for an Eagles player. Um, but yeah, in terms of the club champion, he'd have to be top three, you'd think, or top two mm. at least. He's just, he's just, he's outside of the the, the first half against Essendon and then, you know, a not so great pe- pairing against Carlton. His past kind of, I don't know, month or so has been fantastic. Talking
2: about club champions, Migs, a couple of guys who've been absolute legends for the club, and we'll even circle back around to later on in the show when we talk about contracts. Shannon Hearn, another fantastic game, twenty-eight touches from him. Somehow missed a shot that I thought he would just bread and butter that and just yeah. nail it and really, you know, push us forward. But he was everywhere. He was getting the intercept marks as well. And then Luke Shuey as well, the last couple of captains for the club. Two goals. Keen, you know, keen mover in traffic and, and making space for himself. Stopped on a dime at one point to kick that left-footed goal and just looks to have a little bit more confidence. He's playing footy again, you know, in consecutive games. This is the thing we've not actually seen from him for so long. So starting to look like Luke Shuey might have a little bit of footy left in him. I still think they need to temper expectations and use him on the flank and all this sort of stuff. But look, if they're going to play him, the least he can do is play well. And he, he's played very well yet again.
1: Yeah, I was looking at his um, his recent stats today and he's played, what, seven or eight games in a row or something. Um, yeah, eight. Eight, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's gotten over seventy five percent time on ground in any of them, so they're using him pretty sparingly. Mm-hmm. They are using him, I think, as a as a um, pure midfielder. He doesn't seem to have been resting forward at yeah. all, which you, know, you said you'd like to see him on the flank, and I'd like to see that as well. And yeah, you know, I don't know, maybe later in the year or next year if he plays on, um, as you know, guys like Cully um, start to get more of an opportunity in the middle. But yeah, um, Kennedy as well, I thought turned back time. He was. Um, uh, he had blank all over him but um, still managed to kick a couple of goals and I was just surprised he even backed up for a second week. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, those um, those three uh, older guys really um, really helped us along. Redden as well, actually, played well. Um, had a typical sort of Redden game where you barely notice him and then he's picked up like 23 touches or something.
2: Yeah, and heaps of tackles and, you know, in and under. We'll talk about Redden as well, circle back to him later on in the show. So, Bender, I suppose going forward, obviously 17th at the moment and the Eagles are a pick one or pick two. That's the equation. That's sort of what the rest of the year holds from a results perspective. But as we build and as we go forward, next year that's the sort of game that I'd like to see the club turn into a win. And I also think it's very reasonable that we should expect them to turn something like that into a win. You know, the Hawks, not the greatest side. They're sort of down the bottom of the ladder as well. And they had their moments. We had our moments, a few little things that could have gone one way or the other, a little bit of accuracy or inaccuracy one way or the other, you never know. The game was there for the taking and that's probably, is it the third time since the buy? Third or fourth time since the buy we've had a game that's really right there, ready to be won. And it's a matter of, I guess, now how do you turn these, you know, winning one out of four, how do you turn that into two out of four or, you know, three out of four and eventually start building on these sorts of good performances?
0: Yeah, look, I agree with you. It's it was an extremely winnable match, and I think with a healthier mm. list, there's no reason that we shouldn't romp it in. Um, but I think the, the positive about this game is that we started strong, you know, and we played for the you know it was it was as close to a four quartered effort as we've had for I don't know besides the Essen game for for a decent amount of time. Um, and yeah, I I think look, you bring in Natanui you know, I think our, our rucks were just behind all day. They didn't influence they the game at all. Yeah. Um, you bring mm-hmm. in, you bring in that doing. I think the result changes just based purely on a, on a competitive ruckman. Um, and unluckily un- for Kelly, uh, you know, you could see that he just wasn't right from that corky halfway through the second. Yep. Um, he, he was starting to produce, you know, some special moments and you know picking up pace like he always does. But I'm, I'm not sure. Look, I, I would. Personally, I wanted him subbed out early. He just looked sore and he just didn't look like he was affecting the contest. But when I saw Jamo go off with the ice, I don't know. There's something cynical in me that, that thinks that Jamo might not have been as injured as he need, he needed to be subbed out. And they wanted more run. Um, mm. And they were maybe waiting for that later in the game or not. But I don't know. I think um, that was a bit of a downer. But, yeah, look, at the, it was a winnable game. Um, just... Couple more things need to go our way, I think, in terms of our personnel, and and we should be able to gobble them up.
2: Yeah, Kelly was an interesting one because that he was almost the story of the first quarter was the battle. They you know had a tagger on him, and the commentators were going on and on about it. But I think he had seven or eight touches to quarter time and a goal. And another thing from O'Neill that I really liked was put a block on for Kelly, put a block on for Kennedy as well, doing some some dirty things like that. So just the little things to kind of cement your spot in the team. Wait and see how Kelly backs up, but. He's been building over the last few weeks and starting to get excited about what Tim Kelly has to offer. Uh, Migs, Joe, we get into some buy-sell-hold? Do you want to lead us off with uh, who you'd like to buy this week out of the uh, Hawthorne game?
1: Oh, God, because I forgot we were doing this. Um, buy, uh, can I buy Tom But Yeah,
2: hey, do what you want, mate. One. Yeah, hey, go on.
1: Buy Tom Barras, yeah. Played fantastically. Um, as much as he set the uh, the marks record, I thought yeah, the fact he held Lewis goalless was um, was the real takeaway from that, and yeah, got a um, got a unanimous best on ground from the coaches in a losing effort, which is pretty rare. So yeah, did he? But, yep. Oh, ah, I didn't votes. check Max the coaches' votes. votes. So um, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, as good a game as a, as a backman can have, I think, especially in a losing. Nicely team. done.
2: Well, I'm going to bring up the coaches' votes in the background here. So Bender, who would you like to buy uh, stocking
0: out of the West Coast Eagles this week? Uh, this week it's Waterman. Um, I think he's yep. built probably career best form over the past six weeks, um, and even in in this game, I'm not sure if he's got two or three goals, um, but he's he's hitting the ones that he needs to. Um, and there was one he got from the forward pocket that he absolutely shanked, but he's he's doing exactly what we want from him. You know, he's 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 leading up, taking marks, linking up, and kicking goals. I think he's in in career best form at the moment.
2: Yeah, three goals, one. He's a, he's somebody that's been great since the buy. Uh, the player I would like to buy stock in, I had a few options and we've really talked about a lot of them. So I might as well say O'Neill. Um, I really like Shuey's game. I like that he's stringing footy back together again, which is nice. But O'Neill, I was done on. I think I've said a few times either on the pod or on the board, wherever it might be. He's one that I think, you know, he's pretty much, when his contract's up, looking like he's probably going to be done. Really good game against Collingwood a couple of months ago. Then he got hurt. He's built back had a game that I really liked. And as I just said, it's not so much that he's in the middle and just doing absolutely everything, although he did have a few sequences that I really liked. But it's the put a block on for Kennedy, put a block on for Kelly to break the tag. If it's an instruction or if it's footy smarts, I don't really care because he's either following the instruction or he's got the footy smarts. So uh, buying stock in Xavier O'Neill and and kick the tires on him, as we keep saying on the pod, that's what it's for. So, you know, let's, let's get some minutes into him as we go along. Uh, Migs, do you want to do a hold? Do you want me to stall for time and throw to Bender? How would, how would you like to do for the hold here?
1: Um, I've got a few options for the hold. Here we go. Um, most of them are just sort of sticking it up people who've been bagging out players. Um, <laughs> actually, I'll go with um, straight, I'll, I'll go with one that I reckon neither of you will have picked, um, which is uh, Alex Witherden. Uh, we haven't talked about him. We haven't talked about the fact that Bruce kicked six goals. It was very I surprising. might have had
2: him. I might have had him in line to talk about in just a minute there, Mix, but <laughs> <laughs> it's given yeah, that we're no. doing buy, sell, hold. No, go on, yeah.
1: go on. Um, thought he uh, was asked to do a job, came in to do a job on Bruce, obviously, and it's um, a role that we're uh, a bit short on at the moment, I think, with, uh, with Shep's retirement and, and Cole being inactive this year. Um, we don't really have that stopper for a, a dangerous small forward. Uh, they asked Willardden to do it, obviously. Bruce was on track for about 18 goals at one stage. Um, from 18 free kicks as well. Uh, some of them were there. Um, but I thought Witherden sort of worked his way into the game, um, clamped down on Bruce to be the couple of late goals he got was a little bit lucky. And um, yeah, I thought uh, Witherden um, worked into his, his role well and um, hopefully gets another opportunity to, uh, to do it if they're, they're trying to find a way to, to keep him in the side and, and get him a new contract then. Um he deserves an a, another week of uh, being able to show what he what he could do for us.
2: So, Bender, I'll throw to you for a hold in just a minute, but let's do some with it and chat while it's here, because yeah, cards on the table. I had him down as I have two options for sell, and he was one of them. Uh, so, I suppose for me, Bruce kicked a bag, and okay, he worked his way into it and all of that. I don't I don't actually disagree with that Migs. I think, oddly enough, his game wasn't as bad as it might have looked. But he's in, the foot, he's in the side to use the footy, from my perspective. That's going to always be his number one asset over his lockdown defensive capabilities. I saw him kick the best kick of his career, to his credit. There was oh, one yeah. kick where he, he got called for play on or something happened where he had to go very, very quickly. He had no options. And off half a step, he's just stabbed a bullet like 35 metres and hit somebody on the chest. Awesome kick, right? But how many times did he handball into traffic? How many times did he miss a kick? How many times does he use the footy? Bender and I talked last week about, you know, maybe this selection was more about he's in for one last chance, see what he can do before the contract's up. Um, I mean, Bender, by all means, please sound off on your Witherden uh, comments, I suppose, or, or your takeaway from the game. For me, look, if they're going to keep playing him to see if he's worth another contract, that's one thing. But I would think at the moment, he's probably one of the easier D list options for me.
0: I just thought it was a questionable role for him. Out of all the players on our list, I wouldn't put him to play on Luke Bruce. I just don't think he is has the defensive capabilities to to play on him, let alone someone that is even you know less dangerous. I would have thought, um, you know, we would have tried to release him a bit more so we could do some rebounding footy. I think that's where his strength is. Is is like you've said, is he's kicking? You know, I know he's had his moments, but I don't think he's quite had the the license to kick. Um and I think he would have that now. i just thought it was a questionable role altogether and I think it got shown up for what it was. Um I don't know I don't understand what they're trying to do. You know, I'm sorry this this is a segue with um with Foley. I don't get what he's I don't know, he's a forward tagger at the moment or mm. you know, surely he, he would have been ideal for Bruce, I would have thought. He's athletic enough and fast enough and just has to lock him down, doesn't have to rebound but I don't know.
2: They seem to have him on Jath or in fits and starts. Ryan did a number on him as well. And Cripps, like the, the forward pressure and the tackling, we didn't really talk about so much. But I mean, for that situation, even there, Migs, you know, Bruce got on top of him early. There's no denying that. And we were lacking drive off half back. So is that not an opportunity, I guess, to maybe try Foley on Bruce and, and free with it and up a little bit more? You know, if, if we want to see him in the side going forward and decide if he's worth a contract or not, is it... Do you want him in the side, I suppose, Miguel, for the defensive chops? Are you happy to see him have a matchup like that? Or is it just a matter of we're trying to find a role for somebody we might have already made our mind up on? What, what do you think the selection thing is there?
1: Yeah, uh, I didn't want to see him in that role. Um, mm-hmm. Now that he's obviously been brought in to do that, um, then I'd like to see him get more than a week to do it, um, if that's the way the club wants to go with him. But yep. I do agree with Bender. It was a, a strange choice. Um, and I think I tweeted, like, I don't know quite who our matchup our best matchup available is for um for Bruce but i it definitely isn't Witherden. So mm. um, yeah they they threw him the job, uh got six goals kicked on him. I thought he improved as the game went on, but yeah it doesn't seem like uh like something he's suited to but yeah give him another chance. Um St Kilda have got some um, a few dangerous small so yeah put him on I don't know, Wanganeem Miller or someone tomorrow, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and um, maybe give him another go. But there, there's certainly... Uh, the, the back line is the one line where I think we've got real competition for spots. Um, and the fact that Foley can't get in, that Foley's playing forward, and uh, you know, Nelson's in the reserves, and uh, seat, and who's even shown some signs down there, is, is mm. the emergency. A um, there's, there's, there's a bit of... Um, bit of competition there. So if they're going to play him um, and give him that job, then, yeah, I don't know, I suppose kick the tyres and see how he goes.
2: I'd almost rather just swap him and Foley. Have Witherden play as a defensive half-forward. See if that works. See if getting him the ball on the wing is handy rather than... off I, I don't know. I'm I'm out on Witherden, but it's certainly... I agree with the concept, though. You can't bring a guy in for one week and say, yep, tick, we've made up our mind on that. It was a bit of a hiding to nothing. Uh, back into Blystel Hold. Ben Bender, uh, who was your hold for the week? We'll do that one there.
0: Oh, my, my weekly flip-flop on Liam Ryan, basically. Um, I don't think he could have asked me to do, to do more than he did. Um, he just... he um Yeah, as a small forward, if you're not getting the ball, you tackle. And that's what he did, you know, and he worked himself into the game. Um, couldn't ask for more. When you're, when you're out of form, which I feel like he is, I think he did the best possible thing he could do. Goal kicking, still a bit dodgy, but yeah. Did, I thought he did as best as he could do.
2: Stop playing for free kicks, Liam Ryan. He, yeah. was in my, he, he was my hold as well. He was my buy last week. The pressure was great. The running was great. The desire was fantastic and everything we've seen in the past. Stop throwing your head back. I'm so sick of it. We're going to talk about it later in the, from a league-wide concept uh, context, but I'm just so sick of it. Holy crap. Uh, my cell is... Well, I had to. I was flip-flopping between with it, but we've had a bit of a chat there. Zane True, unfortunately, is my cell. if I'm you know, treating it as a stock situation. Five touches in the waffle. Obviously, he didn't play AFL. He's come out injured from the waffle, or so we would assume, based on everybody reporting it. But Migs, no word from the club. It's true. No. Doesn't does rate a mention. So he's, no, he's, he's AWOL. Yeah, come down with a big case of Partington's. Five touches. Yeah.
1: I'll just check I'm, Twitter and see if they've replied to me.
2: I'm almost certain that they haven't, Migs. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you definitely. know, I... Exxon I like, and I keep going on about him. Cully picks himself for as long as he's available or as long as it fits their plan, I suppose, for development. So I don't know where that leaves true for the rest of the year. Does he get one more look in? You know, where's he at with his deal? Is he somebody that's going to fall onto the scrap heap? So a bit of a sell for me there. Uh, Miguel, your sell for the week.
1: Uh, Just before I go to that, um, comment from Twitter because for some reason on this software, the comments from Twitter don't come through.
2: Yeah, Um, correct. Sorry about that.
1: Sorry about that. Um, but thanks to Vichy saying, remember when Miggs got put back into place by uh, Xavier O'Neill's old man on Twitter. No, I don't. It was certainly a relative. <laughs> I, yeah, that was funny. I said something about, it was the injury list and it was basically we were going to be playing um, 20 uh, top-up players uh, and Xavier O'Neill. And oh, no. Of, I, plucked him, you know, I plucked him as a random name who I knew was available and... Um, I think it was Patrick O'Neill, took a bit of umbrage, thought I was uh, denigrating him. Um,
2: we would never do that on this show, nah, big fans that. of Exxon on this show.
1: No, and he's now my cell for today, uh, no, <laughs> um, uh, my cell was actually going to be Foley, just because yeah doesn't seem to have a role Where does he fit? to him? and they're, they're using him as a square peg in the forward line, because we're missing Rioli and Petricelli and, and um, Winder can't seem to get a game, and they no. the role, I suppose a um, bit of a defensive role at times but yeah it just seems to be played out of position um, might go back to the waffle this week if it um, it's not a, a sell to the point I think he should be delisted but he's just my sort of down stock for the week.
2: Yeah he doesn't quite fit in, that's a fair point uh, take us home then for buy sell hold Bender who, who do you want rid off this week?
0: Uh, Bailey Williams, I've been holding out I've been trying to be patient but it was a shocking game on the weekend. Um, I, I don't I look. I agree with the idea of he needs a little bit more time, um, but just not seeing anything. I don't, I don't see anything I like from him. You know what I mean? Um, it, and the, the the bit what I want to see from him, you know, I know we make fun of people talking about Natanui not taking enough marks, but Bailey tends to to get his hands to the ball on the wing, and it just goes straight through. You, you know, he just he can't seem to mark the ball, even at, at its most basic. Um, but yeah, look, I've I've been waiting, and you know, to to not get too harsh on. But yeah, that's the game on the weekend was just yeah, unfortunately, gets a free pass with Jamison and um and he so it just keeps going anyway. So hopefully, he can get into some form. A bit of news, then,
2: gentlemen, and I know as we set up top, it look, it's only Tuesday, but apparently, it's just the greatest week of news in Eagles history because it's just uh, been coming thick and fast. And, and Monday in particular, there was a nine news report that had a lot of discussion in terms of contracts. Uh, and then there is the discussion around Simo's contracts, which Bender, I know you and I touched on last week, but we'll really get stuck into in a minute. Uh, so Miguel, I'll lead off on this one and, and you can have your say on these two here. Luke Shuey, Nick Nui, according to Channel 9, all of this is Channel 9, Patty Sweeney last night, uh, Shuey and Nat Nui set to play on in season twenty twenty three. Your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, um, in isolation, uh, fine. I think, um, even though Nat Nui has had two really solid solid years before this year, when his body's started to let him down again, um, Shuey has probably had as as consistent a year uh, as he's had for a couple of years. Um, So, I think we've seen time and time again with Eagles players that um, once they hit 30, the cliff can come and the cliff can, um, out of isolation. Not sure what he means. Um, Yeah, we've we've
2: seen... No idea. Sorry, strange Um, comments coming through. For you people listening on the audio feed, we've got a couple of comments coming through here that I'm not quite sure, so there you go. Anyway, Shui and Natanui
1: yeah, um, we've seen that the cliff comes and it comes fast when they get injured. So that's uh, that's the worry with uh, both of those guys. Have had history of injuries um, just about since they've been drafted, really. Uh, and they've uh, got to turn over the um, uh, turn over the list. Um, got to weigh that up against keeping the uh, keeping the experienced guys around for their experience. Um, and I think Keys had a post of few weeks ago that was um, that really hit the nail on the head. He list, listed out all the, um, the guys we've got that are in their 30s and, and heading for retirement, um, and the fact that we're going to need to stagger those because we don't want you know, six of them retiring in one year. And yeah. I think for that to happen, we need one, at least one of those guys to retire along with Kennedy, um, and Shepherd will go off the list at the end of the year um, as well, but we'll We need to stagger it a bit. So I I don't think we can just say, well, Kennedy's it and we'll go around again with um, the same... With all of Nat Nui, Shuey, Hearn, uh, Redden, um, Gaff, uh, McGovern, Darling, etc. I I think we need to... We don't need to chuck them all out, but we we probably need to do a little bit more of a refresh than just um, letting Kennedy retire.
2: Uh comment here coming through from Sam says, could Shuey play a different role next year if he really starts to slow down? And it goes on to talk about him as a small-slash-medium forward or down-back as that quarterback-style role. I mean, we've discussed it. We hit on it a little bit earlier on in the show as well. He's got such a natural sense around goals. He's always been a decent midfielder, you know, in terms of the goal tally. Even, and I always go back to, I know it's early, but that first season he was a great goal kicker. Even on the weekend, you know, he bobs up. So could he? Yes. Will he? I don't know, because they've shown a reluctance, I guess, to take him out of the midfield when he's been available. The concept of Shuey spending 50% time on the forward flank, let's say, and then 50% of the time in the middle, that suits me great. It'll help the boys, good experience in the group still. I don't know that it will happen. If it was solely up to me, yeah, it probably would happen. Uh, Bender, sound off on on Shuey and Nat Nui there, but also the next one, this is another question about not so much retention on the list, but definitely how we use him going forward. And that's Jack Redden, who has triggered an extension for next season. And we believe this is based off meeting a criteria. He's played enough games this year, so automatically has triggered an extension for next year. That's another one of these veteran midfielders. You know, decent footy at the moment, but do we need to start being ruthless with these sorts of guys?
0: Yeah, I think, like Mick said, and where the isolation joke comes from, the the Natanouian, um and Chewy on their own that's that's fine but then when it's redden and then it's hern and then it's you know whoever else that gets added on i think it's it's good if if we don't start doing bits and pieces this year i don't think we should just dump everyone this year but if we don't start doing a little bit this year then next year we're going to be stuck with doing a massive clean out you know what i mean so i think out, out of those guys um, then you know i think redden and I don't, know, I don't know how you choose between the two, I, I, between Redden and Shui. but someone mm. I feel like has to has to make way.
2: I suppose for me, the Redden thing has always been if he, no, I shouldn't say always, sorry, a great servant of the club and he's had some really good, you know, efforts and, and months and hit hot patches for us, obviously 2018 finals. Going forward, what I mean to say is that if they're using him as a battering ram for the kids, you know, Cully was obviously happy to get down and dirty, but we've seen the expansion clubs break down without support. We've seen how many young teams with great picks break down without support. You do need an element of it. If he's playing 20 games and he's playing 70, 80% midfield time, that's just poor handling of the list from my perspective. If you tell me that he's triggered an extension and he's playing 11, 12, 13 games, and in that he's playing you know 60-odd, 70-odd percent of the minutes in the midfield, that's okay for me because it's still exposing the kids, but you've got somebody else there to do a little bit of the grunt work, and I don't mind if he smashes his shoulders into Patrick Cripps again and again and again. I don't want, you know, Chesser or whoever our pick two is or whatever it might be. I don't want these guys breaking down on the absolute bulls of the league. So that's one school of thought, I suppose. But then, Miggs, it all just comes back to what's the usage for next year? And also, just because he's triggered a contract, I think, did Pritis trigger a contract and then we might have tapped him on the shoulder and said, time to call it a day?
1: Yeah, supposedly. Um I think it was actually um, announced as a signing a new contract which just made no sense at the time and then the rumour was that it was a trigger. Um, right. Which made a little bit more sense. Uh, and uh, we'll probably go into how um, how transparent the club is about stuff like that. Um, a little sizzle for you. Uh, yeah, Redden, look, I, yeah, I agree with you. Um, quite happy for him to play on. He's, I think he's been in good form this year. I think he's... Um, He's probably sitting top five in the best and fairest at the moment. Um, he should be prepared to not be an automatic selection next season. And, yeah, it'll depend um, probably more than on his form. It'll depend on you know, how guys like Cully are going and and whether we need you know, a big mature body in the middle to block for guys like Cully um, more than it'll depend on, on his... Um, his own personal performances. and That might be a tough pill for a a Premiership hero to swallow, but, um, yeah, he will be... If he plays on, I think he'll be valuable, but uh, in a a different role than what he's uh, he's been used for.
2: Uh, Just to wrap up a few things from the Channel 9 report last night, they've said that JK is going to have a farewell game, Round 21 against Adelaide. That's the Eagles' last true home game for the season. Kennedy himself then has come out on radio this morning and denied that. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Maybe it's on the cards. Maybe he hasn't made his mind up. Maybe he wants to be the one to announce it. The other person that is seemingly undecided is Shannon Hearn, who, as we've talked about, a nice bit of form post by, and there's a little bit of chat about maybe he wants to go around again. Apparently, the words they use were it's, it's a delicate situation. So read into that what you want, but you know, there's a bit of water to go under that bridge. So we'll wait and see what happens on Shannon Hearn. Bender, the other big bit of news on the Monday night came from Ryan Daniels clarifying a story we touched on last week. Rumours of Adam Simpson being contracted until 2025 were promptly shot down by myself based on the fact that nobody else was running with it. And then Keyes has gone at Rhino and tweeted him for clarification. Ryan Daniels has said, yeah, 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 he's contracted to 2025. Yeah, yeah, it was just a a bit of a misunderstanding. So Fox footy, AFL, Channel 7, West Australian, Every outlet has reported that Simo's contracted till 2024. The club never announced it, so we're all sort of in the dark. But apparently, no, no, we're all mugs. It's 2025. So, Bender, do you want to... I mean, for a start, let's talk about just the contract element of it. Does it change anything for you in terms of how sackable he is under how much pressure he is for next season and going forwards? You know, is an extra year on the contract that big of a deal in your mind?
0: Uh, Look, just quickly, that... Ryan was going to be my um, hero of the week, just for for his groundbreaking story. I'm not I'm not nice. giving anyone else any credit. He's the one. He that was first, it. yeah. He exactly. was, wasn't he? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> nah, um, look, I don't know. I, look, I, it doesn't bother me a great deal, um, but I definitely think it it does make him less sackable um, next year, at least. I think it makes next year. A, well, I don't, I don't want to use the term free hit. I think he gets all the next year now. I don't think he's going to mid reach mid year and then get get turfed. Um, but Which we
2: discussed as a real possibility is, yeah. you know, he, he could be sacked by the buy on the mm. assumption that it was his second last year.
0: Yeah. I still think he gets now 2024 20, and then that's when the real heat comes on in terms of internally anyway. Um, look, I, I, it doesn't bother me a great deal. What bothers me is why are we just finding out flippantly, you know, like from a, a sound grab, you know, like I don't, I don't understand and like, again, with, with MIG said, with the transparency of the club, why didn't they just come out at the time and they said, he's got a three-year um, extension or four-year extension or whatever. And then we go, oh, hooray, Simpson's in, in his position for this amount of time. Why, why are we just kind of finding out from a random sound grab? I just, that, that's what annoys me more than anything else.
2: So that is the next element of it. Uh, for me, 2025, 2024, I don't mind. I think it does make him a bit safer, but I think if we're this bad again next year, they're still able to sack him. Maybe it won't be at the bye week. Maybe it'll be by the end of the season, but I think it can't not buy him a little bit more time. Our club, whilst very rich, is also seemingly very reluctant to flex that in in various ways, and obviously the soft cap is a real hassle to navigate, so I think it does give a bit of safety to him. Ultimately, though, if you tell me Simo is sacked next year because the results stayed like this, you know, he's still going to be under pressure. I don't know that it's a free swing as such, but it does make him a bit safer. Migs, I mean, your thoughts on the contract at first, but then I'll pretty much clear the runways for you on this one because it's the communication, it's things we've talked about again and again on the pod They don't report injuries. You know, there's some pretty serious stuff actually going on in an off-field matter with some of the players and injuries, career issues, lifestyle issues that are coming out of, you know, retired guys or injured guys. We don't hear anything about it from the club. We can't even no. find out if Zane True's heard or not. Like, no. we, we hear nothing from these guys. And I think you made a post yesterday on Big Footy. Everybody else is announcing co- uh, coaching extensions, coaching contracts. The Eagles find out about it through a sound grab last year and then get corrected 12 months later on Twitter because Keyes thought to send a tweet. Uh, what's that about?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And yeah, we've talked to, um, at length about how um, how bad the club is at communicating stuff and to the point of being... Um, almost treating the, the fans with contempt, I think, that you know, they know they're going to um, sell out the memberships every year and they know they're going to get the money piling in and they don't really need to tell us anything. So, um, yeah, it's really disappointing. Um, yeah, I did that list. Uh, within about 10 minutes, I was able to Google and yeah. find um, you know, actual stories from every club that currently has a coach on the contract. Um Announcing that coach's contract or an extension to their contract and the the term of it. Yeah. it for Simpson, you can't find it. There's yeah, news stories saying it's 2024 based on um you know, based on something he'd said as a throwaway line on an SCN interview this time last year, uh, and then now it turns out oh actually it was 2025 and everyone had the wrong thing and the club has said nothing during that.
2: So and, even on that, that's an element that I can't wrap my head around. All the quotes that I could find from Simpson, say things along the lines of a few years or, you know, yeah, they've extended years, yeah. my deal. I don't see Simpson saying 2024 anywhere. And I don't know if I've no. just missed it, but I've had a decent look. So where has 2024 come from? They're not going to hear a few years and then go, right, we've got our headline, yeah. Simpson, 2024. They're going to ask. They're going to follow up. So well, has 2024... now? Okay, no. but I, my, everybody seemed to agree that it was 2024. Was yeah. it just one person got it wrong and everyone reported based on that report? Or I'm not saying something sinister is up and the club's given out the wrong info intentionally or anything like that, but you don't hear the quote. I've been extended for a few years and then yeah. put a number in your headline ad you nauseum know, for everyone to just parrot. It doesn't make sense. Somebody will have gone, sorry, Simo, a few years. Does that mean 2024? Does that mean yeah. 2025? <laughs> where, like, where has it come from? This whole scenario doesn't make sense. And I suppose, like you're saying there, a very easy way to clarify it would be put a post on your website. The Eagles fans want to know who's injured. Eagles fans want to know who's playing for our waffle team, which was something that we talked about earlier on in the year. Mm. You know, weeks into the waffle season, and you can't get the waffle list on the website. It doesn't matter. And I suppose, Bender, you know, I will bring you in on this one as well. Like, it doesn't change anything. The 22 that run out are going to run out whether they were picked on injury or availability or form doesn't change anything. The waffle team's still getting a kick whether I can go online and look up who number fucking 23 is or not. But it's just I, – I, I find it disrespectful as much as anything. It's Our money's good enough for you, but you don't want to, you know, give us any time of day on really easy stuff that everybody else is nailing. You
1: put out it's- this injury report. Sorry, I think you threw to the bender there. But you put out this injury report. <laughs> it's sponsored. It's uh, – St. John of God sponsored the injury report. I don't know why they put their name to it because it's completely misleading and – Incomplete information every week And it's, you know, well, I don't know why a health company Would want to be associated with that And you know, Zane True who uh, Most Eagles fans uh, Casual Eagles fans three weeks ago Probably couldn't have named And he was probably heading for a quiet de uh, At the end of the year He's come in for a surprise debut, he's played alright Fans now know who he is He's played two games, he's gone back to the waffle He's had five touches, he didn't play the second half um, Rob Wiley the coach Said oh yeah he was injured um, reported in the paper that he went off with a hip injury. Um, we get the full, complete, uh, official injury list today. And he's not even mentioned. Um, it's just you know you make this big thing about the um, new player playing, and uh, this is his cap number and all of that, and you know, get around him, and then yeah, when it's not convenient, we're just not going to give you any information about him. Mm.
2: Uh, sorry, yeah, Bender, your your take, I suppose, on on the. Discussion around the contract, or just it's just I don't know. It's the latest in a long line of things in this sphere. And even if you don't in particular care about his contract length, or or the injury list in
0: particular, or this, that, or the other, it's it's the vibes. It's the vibes. It's the 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 social. It's twenty twenty two. Social media is pretty important. You know, like it's a big part of of you know getting your brand out there. No matter what your organization is, they they just it's so so simple. You can connect to so many people easily. And they just don't seem to have taken advantage of it the, the, the way they could. The most we get is we get, get up, it's game day, set on a Twitter reminder. That that goes off like clockwork, you know what I mean? But in, mm. anything else we can... seven am on a Sunday. Exactly. That You could just get... So any Anything would be easy enough. You have one person that goes, oh, someone's gone for scans on this day, update later or something, you know what I mean? But there's, there's none of that. And they've always been... Smoke and mirrors with their injury lists. like I, you know, they and and fair enough, it was probably something that was a, a genuine tactic in when people didn't have scouts everywhere or media mm-hmm. everywhere, you know, and then they were going to go, was well, this person playing? This person isn't playing. You you already know if they're playing or not nine times out of ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if it's yeah. zane true, no one cares. We just want to know no. what he's doing. You know what I mean? He's not going to affect the outcome of a game. Just tell us no. what's going on. Not what's
1: even West Perth is scouting to see what he's going to be doing on the weekend.
2: No, is he available or is he not? I mean, let's pretend he was fully healthy. Man got five touches on the weekend. So there's no tactical advantage to it. He's not coming in. We know that. So just tell us why. Tell us what's going on. Uh, Yeah, well, I think, (laughs) I mean, I could talk about this one for ages because it's not, the issue for me is not so much the extra year, it's the handling of it. But anyway, uh, we might segue this nicely into some heroes and villains then. Gents, we haven't done Heroes and Villains for a while, and I think the longer we talk, the more likely it is that the Eagles are going to get Villain of the Week for their handling of this. I think we're all pretty much on the same page. So we'll start with some heroes instead. Does anybody, floor's open, somebody take it away with a hero, uh, and then we'll, we'll fire up the villainy just in a few
0: minutes. My hero, without a doubt, um, and our, our external producer of the show, shall we call him, will be happy about this, is whoever the Dockers has decided to bring back that Guernsey so hair <laughs> I, I, I love it or hate it, it's it is hilariously bad that you. That's great. That you want it around. That you want it. It's whoever's done it. Good on them. It's like I, look, I think it's disgusting, but so, it's yeah. disgusting it's enough to be funny. You know, to enjoy it. You know, yeah. mm. that's awful. Yeah, no one's so going to look gonna you, gonna you in the eye and no. tell you it looks good. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, It's it's this is another <laughs> thing. Kind of this is another thing feeding in off uh, sort of what we're talking about there. They don't use social media. They don't connect. They're sort of stuck in a very old school mentality because the Dockers, for all their faults, and boy, do they have some faults, they understand the pulse of the footy fan and the modern footy fan. They they know what they're about, you know, even just their photo shoots, just the difference in their photo shoots versus ours. Ours are like on the field, arms crossed, footy under the hand. They'll send Alex Pierce out to a shipping container somewhere just because, yeah, it's funny. Who cares? It's fine. And that 3D anchor, one of the worst jumpers I've ever seen. And I love it. I'm not going to tell you I'll buy it, but, you know, Jesus Christ. If it weren't or if it were, you know, if that was a GWS jumper that looked like that, of course I'd buy it. It's hilarious. What a great jumper to have as a retro round jumper. You know, just bring back, I mean, the ochre is the obvious parallel, but bring back a ugly as sin jumper one week, kind of make fun of yourself. People will get around it. They'd already sold out of the long sleeve version of it last night. or oh, whatever night, Sunday night. Whenever it got announced, it sold out within an hour. So oh, wow. do the maths. West Coast like money. Do the maths. Give me a long-sleeve ochre. I hate it, and I'll buy it. I will hate buy that jumper like <laughs> you would not believe. Uh, Miguel, <laughs> thoughts on the 3D anchor and uh, thoughts on any heroism for the week?
1: Nah, my only suggestion was going to be Tom Morass, which was a pretty boring one.
2: Talking to death. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, well, my hero of the week nomination, which we will then segue, because, Migs, I think this might be your villain of the week nomination. The AFL have come out and clarified their stance on head-high contact. The Jack Ginnivan situation, this bloke has played 20 games. He's already shaping the league in a way that, I mean, even Dacos, who's this superstar that I can't stop hearing about, he's not shaping the league like Ginnivan. Ginnivan is on the agenda every five minutes. The bloke ducks. I mean, Liam Ryan ducks, and we'll call that out when it happens, but we've seen Walters do it. We've seen Selwood do it. Shuey did it very badly for a few years, so let's not pretend it doesn't always exist, but I don't know that it's existed at the rate that it does at the moment. And Bender, there was a nice... Sort of happy couple of weeks there, where if you ducked, that was your prior, and it was ball unless you got rid of it. Seems to be that the AFL are coming out and saying, "Yeah, we might really be starting to crack down on this one." So,
0: a little bit of heroism for me on that one, Bender. He's he's generating so many goals that that's the issue. If you, if you sell wood and you're doing up the field, you, you know they they tend to care less. But when it's when you're kicking goals, and he's kicked a decent amount of goals for his games played, um, he's averaging two a game. An yeah, and they're, and they're from freeze more often than not. Um, so yeah, when he's doing it, and then and then you know Waitman and even Fisher against us, um, oh, Liam Ryan, Fisher, he's not he's not, he's not like he's not guilty either. Um, it's a mm. poor look, um, and yeah, I've, look, I've never been a fan of it. Even back when Hams and Shuey were were doing it every week, I, I didn't like it. You know what I mean? And it's um, I'm glad that they've come out and said something, even though they've already said something previously. But hopefully they will actually do something about it this time.
2: I mean, I think we can all agree, let's just give Hero of the Week to the the concept of one day doing a so ugly, so bad, it's good retro round jumper. I don't want to give it to the 3D anchor, but let's do that. And then I will modify this from hero to villain. Miguel, the exact same topic, your stance, what's what's the uh, the villainous side of this, I suppose? Well,
1: the villainous side is the fact that it's now fucking round 19 and they're doing it. Yeah,
2: like, I know.
1: We're, yeah, we're five months into a season and... Not changing the rules, but you're changing the interpretation of the rules back to the way that you said you were probably going to do it last year. Um,
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, it's a common sense move, and um, it definitely needs to be done. And in in the climate where every week there's a new player who's um, coming out and saying that they're suffering from next player suffering from concussion. Um, and we all know the Venable story, and um, Ty Zantuck was in the news this week as well. Yep. Uh, you don't the effects that it has on um, uh, on players long into the future. You really do not want to be incentivising players to use their head to get free kicks. Um, we, we just need to stamp it out of the game, and I think if it was policed properly, it would be because we've seen with other rules that uh, when there's been changes, players have adapted pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, if you start giving free kicks for holding the ball to you know, the Guinevans and the, unfortunately, Liam Ryans and, and whoever else, oh. uh, when they duck rather than um, rather than reward them with a shot on goal, then they will change their behaviour. And hopefully that means they stop getting hit in the head as much.
2: Yeah, the Hawks-West Coast game was picturesque, if that's the sort of football you like, because Bruce at one end would duck his head, and if he didn't get it, he'd throw himself forward. So he got the in the back and... Ryan at the other end was doing it as well. It's, it's ugly. I hate it. I mean, Jack Inovan's 20 games into his career and he's already public enemy number one. So good luck, mate. But yeah, it's, it's not right. So I'm happy that they're stamping it out. Uh, do we have any other villain nominations? I've got one sitting in the chamber ready to go unless anybody else wants to take the floor.
0: I've I got a quick one and it's only Richmond for losing to North and putting us in the uh, <laughs> calculations to the spoon. That, that's my one real quick. I just don't, the I it was like so funny. terrible year, but not a spoon. Yeah, it was. It was, it was almost <laughs> worth it as long as we don't get the spoon. That's all I care about.
2: Fair enough. No, that's a fair point. You look, pick one, pick two. You're going to get a good player, hopefully, with either of them. So that's fine. No spoon. I, I get that. It was very, very funny, though. Uh, my Villain of the Week nomination is, it's a broad one for the AFL media, which I feel is the most common nomination on the show. I don't know if you guys caught this, but Essendon have actually won a few games. And uh, Sam Draper kicked a goal, which was apparently, and this is not a joke, discussed by Matthew Lloyd on the AFL website this week. Was it the greatest goal of all time? Essendon's greatest goal of all time was a discussion around the Sam Draper, I'm not going to say routine, but pretty decent sort of goal of the year contender running goal from a Ruckman. Was it the greatest Essendon goal of all time? And now we're getting articles out of Fox Footy. Here's the maths. Here's how they can still make the final. Yes, Essendon fans, it's still mathematically possible. I've gone back, and I know the Essendon don't win finals thing is as much of a meme at this point as it's ever been, that that Twitter account that tracks the number of days and all this. It's great. Jesus Christ, I didn't realise how grim it was. I've gone back and looked, and it's like 10 goals here, 10 goals there, 40 points. Yeah, so 2004 was the last time they won one, and since then it's been, yeah, 10 goals, 10 goals, 50-odd points, 45-odd points. They've had one close finals loss. They lost by 12 points to North Melbourne. And I think they were up by about 50 points in that game anyway. So they, who cares? They're not going to get on a run and make September. And if they do, who gives a shit? I know it gets clicks, but like, oh, my God, are we seriously doing the Essendon thing? They're up and about for five minutes after losing to us and we're doing the Essendon thing? Come on. Come on. I'm, I'm not it having was, it.
1: It was a good goal. If, it was, if that was now Nui kicking that goal at that stage of the game, um, yeah. Because it sort of, it just about won the game for him against Gold Coast as well. If that's Nat Nui doing that for us, yeah. um, we would be. Uh, great goal. Yeah, messing up all over the place. It would be, yeah, it was great goal. Um,
2: goal of the year contender, no doubt. Yeah. No definitely. doubt. Was it the greatest goal in Essendon's storied, what, 150 year history and however many local VFL bloody suburban competition premierships that they won? I don't know. Did Lloyd, uh, did
1: Lloyd then go on to name the other 10 contenders for best Essendon goal of all time, nine of which were if,
2: if you think I watched the thing and didn't <laughs> just say a thing that said, Lloyd, is this the best goal? Come on. I mean long. What about the long goal already? It's not even the best running goal in Essendon history. Anyway, yeah. stuff them all. Uh, Villain of the week, who are we giving it to? I think it's the club,
1: isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's
2: the Eagles. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. If it replaces so the didn't... herd hug in montages, I say let them have it. Yeah, that's the... Uh, hero it, of
1: the week to the Dockers and villain of the, the week to the Eagles for going well.
2: Yeah, so tune in tune in next week to see how things go on the pod. Well, gents, I reckon that will do it for us. Pretty uh, pretty in-depth show there because there's quite a bit to cover. We will duck back later on in the week and, and have a chat. At what day, though, I'm not specifically sure. Potentially Thursday, but uh, my other great love, Leeds United are in town, so I'm going to be traipsing around Open training sessions and you know boozy bloody interviews and meet and greets and all this sort of stuff. So you might get a, a pretty informal, loose Thursday night podcast. I reckon might be on the agenda. <laughs>
1: you're going to try and pretend you're a Make-A-Wish kid to get in, or?
2: No, no, no. I'm just going to cop to being a massive sado, and they'll go, "All right, mate, come on, Jesus Christ, we flew all the way out here. Come on." So anyway, good luck to them. Good luck to Leeds. The team in blue and gold are going to win at Optus Stadium on Friday night, and then we'll we'll come back around on Sunday and see what happens against the Saints. Anyway, uh, Bender, thank you very much for coming on
0: the show. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, Miguel Sanchez, Miguel Grumpchez. It's uh, yeah. been a bit of a grumpy one in some aspects, but a few things yeah. to like, so we'll build on that. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, no worries. Keyes isn't here, so someone had to do the grumpy stuff.
2: Keyes is doing the heavy lifting on Twitter at the moment, and he'll be back on the show it's near enough, I feel like. This thank is... He's uh, He's been out in the field doing some work for a while, so we'll have to get him back on shortly. But anyway, there we are. Thank you very much, and we will talk to you later on in the week. Bye for now.